Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yes, 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 yes. Another Enough About Me, back-to-back days. Uh, And two guests within one here. Uh, Second will be Jake Brennan, who I've had on before. He's the host of the podcast Disgraceland, which is essentially a look at all the murders and mysteries and drugs and fucked up crazy shit in the history of music. I love it. I had him on when it kicked off last year. It's gotten bigger. He has a new season that starts today. This is Thursday. I'm taping this Tuesday-ish. Wednesday? I don't even know. Wednesday? One of these days. Uh, Thursday is uh, when it drops, which is when you're listening to it right now. When you're done with this, uh, go listen to it. Um, I'm taping this without knowing the feedback to the Remy podcast. I'm, I can't wait to, to take a look at that because I think it was really good. Alyssa Klein, and I got I saw this from my uh, Mark Hannon's Balls of the Minifan podcast, which I might as well recommend now as well, I suppose, as odd as that is. Go listen to that, uh, Minifan podcast. Um, uh, he was going back and forth, or retweeted this Alyssa Klein film critic who essentially said that men should not review Captain Marvel, which I thought was a strange take uh, on things. So I wanted to bring her on, and she was really good. Uh, Jake was good, and she was good. I actually enjoyed both these conversations quite a bit. And I'm sure you can tell right now I'm sort of ramping this up. I am enjoying uh, working again. I'm enjoying talking to people I want to talk about, stories I want to talk about, things that interest me. Um, You know, I don't want to talk about – I just don't want to talk about Kyrie Irving. I don't. And I think people would get mad at me when I used to have my old job, and I would say that. And I don't care about Josh Gordon that much. I just don't. If you care about them, that's fantastic. Go listen to, you know, any sports radio station you want and listen to people talk about that all day. I'm done pretending like I care about that. There was a time in my life where I did. I just don't care that much anymore. These are the things I care about. If you want to listen to it, fantastic. I appreciate the support. uh, The numbers have been great on iTunes. That means a lot to me. Subscribe. Leave a 9 million star review. Do whatever the hell you want. If you don't care about these things, don't listen to the podcast. There's 3 million podcasts, there's Sirius Radio, there's freaking Alexa, there's sports radio, there's political radio, there's classic. Do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. But if you care about this stuff, you, it's just, you know, you're not going to hear it anywhere else. The other stuff you're going to hear all day long in 5,000 other places. So, I mean, you know, Jake Brendan and Alyssa Klein uh, join me on this episode of Enough About Me, and there's going to be more. Um, I would expect four or five next week, at least, by the way, including a big show announcement I teased uh, yesterday, which is really, you know, uh, the Remy one, which I we're still not close to yet. If I do a podcast later this week, there's a chance I'm going to do a mailbag for Friday. I may have the show announcement then. But uh, as of right now, I'm going to give you plenty of content here uh, going forward this week. The first time I think I've had two guests on uh, one podcast. Uh, they, we've sort of had a time limit on both. Uh, talked to Jake for maybe 15 or 20 minutes. Alyssa for 15, 20 minutes. So you'll probably get 45 Minutes of uh, content here for your drive home or your run or whatever. Uh, some of them been too short lately, 25, 30 minutes. I always think of it as a run, as a runner. I always think you got to give me 35, 40 minutes. I'm going to try and do that. Uh, and I think it's going to be more here going forward. So uh, Alyssa Klein up first, defending her Captain Marvel take, which I think is wacky, but she was a good sport. And then Jake Brennan from the podcast, which I cannot recommend enough, honestly, Disgraceland, on this episode of Enough About Me. 
So Alyssa Klein uh, got my attention a few days ago. Actually, somebody who I follow, MHB, retweeted her uh, and got my interest about Captain Marvel. First of all, Alyssa, uh, good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. Good, good, good. So, I, so I guess sort of give me the the your take on, and, and if I'm misspeaking, walk me through it. That's fine. Essentially, you don't think men should review Captain Marvel because they're men. No, so I just want to be clear about one thing. Go ahead. I, I, do, I do think that it is important for men to both see Captain Marvel and to be part of the discussion around it. I don't think that no men should review Captain Marvel. Well, good. So give me, your, that, give me your take. Go ahead. <laughs> so I just think that this time I do think that the majority of Captain Marvel reviews at uh, large publications really should skew in favor of women. Why is that? Um, so, mm-hmm. why? No, I'm just saying, so why is that? So I think that Hollywood is making some progress in terms of uh, the representation that we're seeing in movies. And I don't feel that publications have quite caught up. Um, and so I think that publications have a role to play in really advancing representation um, and that's really just by elevating um, voices that we haven't heard as much from in the in the past. Well, so in this case, women. Well, so let's say let's just say um, <clears throat> whatever random newspaper X has two film reviewers, which is becoming more and more rare, I guess. But let's say they have two film reviewers. One is a thirty-four-year-old man who is super passionate about Marvel movies. You know, has been watching them in the last ten or twelve years. Cares about Captain Marvel. Uh, you know, wants to review it and will have thoughts on it. The other one is a, let's just say a 62 year old woman who doesn't give a shit about Captain Marvel and will probably give it a negative review anyway. In your mind, you'd rather the woman review the movie because she has a vagina versus the guy who cares about Captain Marvel or whatever, who has a penis. Yeah. So really, I don't, I, I don't think it's a, in this conversation, I don't think it's a matter of whether Captain Marvel is a good movie or not. Um, I'm not, I, I personally loved it, but I, my agenda isn't just uplifting um, uh, critics who think of it positively. Um, I would personally rather hear from women about why they did like it, why they didn't like it, why they think that there was more that could be done. I think in, in the example that you've given, um, it doesn't seem like this woman in question particularly wants to write about Captain Marvel. I I don't think anyone should well, How about how about just Alyssa, how about just the best, you know, the best person for the job? I mean if it's a woman, fantastic, great. But if it's a guy, I mean men, you know, I I, I mean I and again I'm I can't speak from female perspective just as you can't speak for mine. But I mean why can't a man be as articulate or thoughtful or as caring about Captain Marvel, which is, you know, a superhero movie, as a woman? And and by the way, what about the the scores of female superhero or whatever movies in the past, whether it's the you know the the one with Angelina Jolie a couple of years ago that got remade, or you know pick your Kate Beckinsale Underworld, fifty of those movies. I mean, this isn't a, this is not a new thing. Yeah. So to answer your question, I one thing that's been interesting that I've seen coming up quite a bit from um, folks who saw my tweets um, is the is the question of shouldn't the person who is the better writer the better critic be the person to get the job. I think, I think it brings up an interesting question because when you're talking about movie reviews, I think that 
there, so someone could be an excellent writer um, and be one of the top critics in the world. But I think the question is, how do you decide what makes for a good movie review? Um, for some, maybe it is the language that's used in the way it's written. For me, I think it's the ideas that are being brought forward. So I, I'm hoping with Captain Marvel's reviews to really see fresh perspectives. Um, and ideally, I, I would like to see those perspectives from women. So if, if, there, is a, if there are male reviewers who have um, fresh ideas to bring forward, I would love to hear them. I just think that it's important to be very intentional this time to make an effort. But why? I guess my question is, in, 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 but, but, but why? Why this movie and why women? Why? Because she's a woman? Yeah, so I think, I'm not sure, have you seen the film? I have not seen the movie. No, I mean, I know I've, I've seen all the previews. I know what it's about, but I have not yeah, yet yeah. Seen, the, seen the movie. I, I highly recommend. This is totally separate, but I think you should check it out. Okay. I, I personally enjoyed it. Um, I, I really do feel that this movie in particular is different from but, all other. Oh, Alyssa, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt, but you, but you did tweet this stuff out before you even saw the movie. I did. Okay. And my tweets weren't didn't have anything to do with the quality or content of the movie. Go ahead. Um, It was simply to point out, this really is a major moment for women in cinema. Um, And I think that in alongside the, the moment itself, I think that publications just have a role to play too. But why is this Um, a bigger moment? I mean, so Wonder Woman was this massive hit last year, last summer, correct? Or two summers ago? It was it, it's it, it starred a woman. Most of the supporting cast were women, and it was directed by a woman. Correct? Yeah. So why is this why is this a bigger moment than that? I mean, I I think that was a very big moment too. And so how many of these moments do we have to have? I mean, I think you know, I think we're there. You know, I mean, I I, I listen. I agree. Is it is a perfectly equal scale? Of course not. We see it all the time. But progress is being made. I mean, do you think it'll further the progress if more women? review Captain Marvel than men? I mean, what's, what is, like, how does that move whatever this movement is forward? How does it help that? Yeah, so I, I'm just speaking of it from the lens of a journalist. I think it's just a fact that the overwhelming majority of folks that are writing movie reviews for major publications are men. Oh, I don't doubt like, that. I'm sure that's true. That's just a fact. Sure. So I'm, I'm simply asking, can we try to, can folks try to make an effort to really shift the balance towards equality. Um, I'm not saying that no men should write reviews. I, I think it's important. I think men need to be a part of the conversation. But I think that this particular moment is a really good opportunity for publications to really challenge themselves to really just put women in the forefront. Um, and I think this is just a good case. I, I don't know if case study is the right word, but this is a great place to start with Captain Marvel. Uh-huh. I mean, I guess, and I saw you address this on Twitter, and it's not a perfect analogy because you're right, there's far more male than female. But if I'm a female critic in the newspaper, imagine if you found out that Captain uh, America was coming out and they said, you know what, we want we want the men to review this one. You'd be pissed. Yeah, I mean, oh, you'd be funny. You'd, of, you, but you, you would, you would, I've, I've, I've paid attention to you on Twitter the last couple of days. You would be pissed if that happened. <laughs> you would be pissed. What that? You'd be mad if that happened. I mean, I, I personally, so here's the funny thing. A lot of people that didn't really appreciate my tweets, one of the things that's been brought up quite regularly is, 
oh, well, should women not be allowed to review uh, male center movies? I'm not speaking for everyone. I'm just saying I'm personally a little tired of male-centered movies and just personally don't. There are certainly male-centered movies that I do enjoy, but for the most part, I find them boring. So I personally would would be happy to not review another male-centered superhero movie. Well, are you saying may you find male-centered general. movies in general boring now? I mean, I, I, I'm just tired of that perspective. I think that they they are for a certain audience. Just for me personally, I'm a little bored of, of like the, kind of the same stuff that we've been. But I'm always like so. But of course, as a moviegoer and critic, that's your opinion. But what does that like? Does that mean like you know? Like, what does that mean? The Godfather, you know, Brave. Like what? What is that? You know, you want you so you like movies now that are only directed by women, written by women, produced by women, starred women, cinematographed by women, edited by women. I mean, what does that mean? Does you know? I mean, yeah, I'm just. For me, no, I know, but what is that? Like, give me some examples of movies that you've seen lately, other than Captain Marvel, that are female centric. That you, or, or give me an example of a male centric movie you've seen recently that you said, you know what, I'm sick of this male story. <laughs> um, okay, let me think. There are so many, and I really have to think and go down the line mm. of what I've seen. I, I'm just simply pointing out. See, I just go to the, I just go to the movies, Alyssa, or I go watch a TV show. I, I have to admit, and maybe I'm a dummy. I'm not thinking, okay. <laughs> This is this was written by this direct you know uh, if a movie's written and directed by a woman and I think Patty Jenkins is a great example or yeah. you know or whomever on the other side I'm uh, you know if uh, David so if David Fincher is coming out with a movie or Quentin Tarantino's movie is coming out with Pitt and Tar- and uh, DiCaprio you're not going to see that because it's male centric. No, I mean I I, I likely will see it because I want to be part of the conversation. But you'll sit there in the theater an hour in and think, boy, this is good, but it's male centric. I'm just not into it. No, it's not me saying, oh, this is male-centric, I can't enjoy it. I just, you, you can't help what you like. and what Sure, you I get like. that. And that's just, it just so happens that these male-centric movies tend to be the ones that I don't like. Um. <clears throat> and, and I think that a lot of moviegoers are in a similar position, where we're just tired of the same old stuff that we've been seeing. And not to say that, that those movies shouldn't continue to exist, I just think there needs to be a balance and there needs to be even more progress being made towards um, movies by and for people who haven't had movies in the past. I just think there needs to be more progress made in movies that don't suck. You know, I don't care if I don't I, if a woman directs it, awesome. If a guy directs it, like I think it's so interesting. A guy like Steven Soderbergh, and again, he's a male director, and he tells maybe he's not interesting to you, but you know, I still need to see his new movie. He just I just I watch it. I just watch it. He directed the movie on his fucking iPhone. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. it's it's a crazy time. Right now in movies, and I do think, you know, I mean, my daughter's twelve. I mean, mm-hmm. she she can she her and her friends will shoot scenes, and I'll think, holy shit! I mean, I, the the world is changing so fast that I do think, and maybe I'm being naive. I do mm-hmm. think in fifteen twenty years, I don't think these conversations will be nearly as as passionate as they are now. And, and by the way, and they're better now yeah, than they were. I the, hope that's the case. But I think they're better now than they were twenty years ago. Don't you? The the um. You mean in terms of representation? Yes, for, yes, yes. I mean, look, 20 yeah, years that's, ago. That's definitely true. I just think we need to do more. Well, but, we should but, settle with where we are. But by do more, what do you mean? What, what, I mean, other than like having a guy not review a movie, like what else can be done that's not being done? Yeah, well, I think the fact, I mean, you look at Captain Marvel, this is either the 20th or 21st movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's the first one to center a woman. So that's one 
for every 20 movies. I don't think it should take another 20 movies for a woman to have her own Marvel movie. Um, and I mean, it's just the fact that w that women really aren't getting the same um, kind of opportunities in film, and especially women of color. Uh, well, and it, yes, agreed. But the other fact is, and whether it's because the chips are stacked this way or not, historically, and there are exceptions. Obviously, Julia Roberts is one. Obviously, Sandra Bullock has been one. Mm -hmm. The box office stars in history have been male. Now, that is because maybe the system has driven it that way. But I think you'd even agree that historically, the people who have brought in the big money, all the way back to Wayne, Eastwood, Cruz, uh, you know, Will Smith, these have been DiCaprio, these have been men. Yeah, so I think that's some that's a point that's been brought up a lot. And I think if you look at the success of Captain Marvel this weekend, um, it's clear that that just isn't the case. Well, but I would and, say, but hold on, but I would say Captain Marvel mm -hmm. is essentially a sequel. I mean, it's essentially part of a monster franchise. I mean, if Captain Marvel were a guy, you know, it took. I mean, it would be successful. I mean, you'd agree. I think so. Brie Larson, who's the star of Captain Marvel was unbelievable in this movie Room a couple of years ago, the Lenny Abramson movie. She won yeah, the Oscar. She, she deserved it. She was incredible. And short term 12 before that. Yes, and she was Everyone a good she's, she's a really good actress. But, you know, if if she's now in a movie on her own, away from the uh, Marvel Universe, is that going to be a big hit? Is she a big movie star who's going to bring asses to seats? You and I have no, absolutely... We, we have no idea, right? Not, so, not to, yeah. so, I mean, she's... But that being said, if you put Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie... If you put, you know, whoever in the movie, not as many movie stars as there were before, it still is for some reason, and it's unknown to me. The males, if you said to me, who are the five or six most bankable box office stars in the world? They're probably still all male. Why that is, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I mean, I I think part of it is just that men are getting those opportunities. So I I I don't think I think that we have seen that when. When Hollywood takes a chance on women, it, it tends and other underrepresented groups, it tends to work out well. I I'm, I'm I could be wrong, but I think that Captain Marvel and Black Panther now have like the the record for the two biggest opening for Marvel movies, and I think that's no coincidence. Yeah, well, I mean, Black Panther obviously is a phenomenon too, and that's another young director who is you know on his way to one of the great careers of all time, and again mm -hmm. is a young black filmmaker and somebody who is going to have an awesome 30-year career. So, Alyssa, where can we find your stuff, your writing? Where, where do we go? <laughs> That's a good question. I'm trying to write way more than I do. So you, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is DJ Diabetic. Um, your handle is what? Just, <laughs> so I, I, I have diabetes. Oh, okay, I okay. Have, I actually used to have a radio show in college, so my, my DJ name was DJ Diabetic. <laughs> okay, I like it. I like it. <laughs> so you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, and I'll be posting my articles as they come up. Um, currently, I, I contribute for a few platforms, but I'm hoping to write way more and hopefully have something come out specifically about this conversation around Captain Marvel in the coming days. Good. Well, I, listen, I appreciate anybody who's not afraid to come on and fight, whether I agree with them or disagree no, with them. I, I they're really nuts. enjoyed this conversation, yes. and I think that... You're, this is exactly the conversation we need to be having. Well, yeah, I think that's exactly right, because I think we're now, and I talk about this on this podcast all the time, we're now in a society where if you disagree with somebody, you're either uh, you're either phobex, homophobe, or, you know, whatever, and then you can't have the conversation anymore, as opposed to saying, hey, you know, I, I'm, I may not agree with you, but let's at least 
at least talk it out and maybe we can move a little bit closer to the truth, which is still, you know, who knows? And I, and I do think and what you could tell, obviously we both love movies and I have no, absolutely no idea where, where movies are headed right now, but I do think, and I really do think that like it's as open now as it's ever been. If you're a good young black filmmaker, good young female filmmaker, do you have as good a chance as you're, if you're a young white male filmmaker? Probably not, but you're damn closer than you were 30 years ago. I mean, that, that's not even, I think, arguable. Yeah, that that's certainly true. I just think there's so much more to be done. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the numbers, like you, you point out, the numbers, that, that's exactly right. So follow her on Twitter, uh, read her stuff there. It's uh, Alyssa Klein. Thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All I right. really enjoyed that. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Bye. All right, thanks, Alyssa. Uh, so I had Jake Brennan on ooh, a year ago, Jake, or no? Yeah, I think it was almost a year exactly. It was right after we launched last year, and we launched the podcast in February of last year. So podcast obviously would not even exist if it wasn't for me and all the help True. I gave you on that. I mean, you've told me that many times. You just told me that off yeah. the air, so I appreciate it. Your idea. It, it was. was yeah, it's weird. I've never yeah, gotten any credit for that. It was completely my idea. Uh, it's actually me. Yeah. I, I mean, it's actually me doing it. I'm, I'm speaking as you right now. I play that music at the beginning. The whole thing is mine. Yeah. It's Disgraceland. Yeah. It's Jake. It's. I would say I have three or four podcasts I listen to every week, regardless of whether or not I care. You know, it's the, like I don't care a lot about Rick James, for example, musically. Uh-huh. But but you know, who gives a shit, right? When you're listening to the to the story of his life. Now, on the other hand, Marvin Gaye, who I was a huge fan of, then you get him whatever two weeks later, and you're you know, I knew tangentially about Marvin Gaye. Obviously, I knew his dad killed him. I didn't know his dad was a cross-dresser. I didn't know he was a mate. Like, I, these are things I don't know about until I listen to Disgraceland, which is very simply, if you're not, if you haven't subscribed and downloaded and given it a 50-star review or whatever, do it now. Uh, it's it's basically, you know, all the disasters in the history of music, of which I'm going to guess you're going to be able to do about 3,000 years before you run out of material. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't be wrong. There's a lot of source material out there, and it keeps happening. I mean, every it seems like every week I open my internet browser and there's another story. And I mean, this R. Kelly thing keeps developing. I can't wait for for that story to kind of be be done with, so I can get into that. And I think that story is actually like a ten episode version of Disgrace. Yeah, no shit. Well, I might guess. So I was going to ask you. So season season three kicks off. Uh, we're taping this on what's the day? Tuesday, Jake. Tuesday. So season three for you will be released the day I think this comes out, Thursday, right? Am I right? That's correct. All right, so go if you want to listen to this, then go go download the season three two-parter for Kurt and Courtney. We're getting part one on uh, today, is that right? Part one on Thursday, and then part two will follow up on Tuesday. Okay, so I, I guess my first question would be, and I listened to you guys, you were kind enough to send it to me, I got to listen to it. Like, are you, are you, are you concerned? Is it more interesting to you to find sort of little nugget stories in history that we don't pay a lot of attention to. Because, and I, and I, by the way, the Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Corny one is excellent. The, sh- the shit I didn't know about. But when you go into it, are you like, oh, shit. You know, there's been 20 documentaries. There's been 50 books. Like, what can I really add to the Kurt Cobain, Courtney Love story that hasn't been done yet? Yes, 100%. I mean, a lot of, that's exactly it. I go into it, like, I know that story back like the back of my hand, even the right. Marvin Gaye one. And then I go into it, and I find these nuggets and that's what is interesting to me because I already know the broad strokes of the story like most people do. So I want to talk about Kurt Cobain sitting on the plane with Duff from Guns N' Roses and them jonesing for heroin at the same time. That's interesting to me. I want to talk about Marvin Gaye's dad as a crossdresser, you know, the, the little anecdotal things that are not so known. And I, there's something about the medium of the podcast because it's a 30-minute 
sandbox that I have to build in. When you talk about those sort of random stories, they become more amplified. <clears throat> Excuse me, they become more amplified in that small window. Yeah, and I think you know when when it's hard. Maybe it's not actually because the thing about Cobain that I find interesting, or one of the many things, is that you know every generation it seems that somebody crosses over to that generation or two later. So Cobain, I was a senior in high school when he died, but he seems as relevant now as he did then. Almost like I, he's one of these guys where high school kids think he's cool. For us, I don't know. It was maybe Marley. There were guys that that that, that managed the crossover. Cobain feels as relevant today as he seemed 25 years ago uh, maybe not quite as but seems to be one of these guys who has managed to maybe that's just the benefit as cruel as it sounds of dying early i mean sometimes that's a good career move for your legacy in a weird way kind of yeah i think you're out you're, it's the death it's the it's the scandal around the whole thing the myth of it but it's also certain artists kurt cobain Michael Jackson. I've been thinking about Michael Jackson a lot now because of this documentary sure. that's out there. But certain artists are just bigger than themselves as human beings. They're sort of Nirvana's woven into the fabric of, I feel like American youth and the history of American youth. It's like, like you said with Bob Marley. Now it's a rite of passage where you're gonna, when you're when you're in high school or college, you're gonna run into those Nirvana albums and you're gonna dive in and you're gonna have your time with them, just like we did with Bob Marley or Jimi Hendrix. What do you what do you think? I always wonder about stuff like this. If Cobain's alive today, right? He 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 kicks heroin. He whatever. He divorces Courtney Love. He moves on musically. What do you, what career does he have? Well, there were talks before he died. He was going to produce a record with um, this guy Scott Litt, who just did that record out of time by REM. He was. I feel like musically he was he was definitely moving into a more uh, a melodic realm. Um, but I think sort of at his core, his ethos, it don't like John Lennon, I feel like it only would have strengthened had he continued to live. And I think he would, he would be out in front right now, sort of speaking out in the same way that he was then. I don't think he'd be any sort of any less the raconteur that he was. Maybe that's just my idealized version of him that I want him to be and I'm projecting it, but he seemed to me to have like pretty core principles and was not afraid then to sort of put his career on the line and speak his mind. I'll just say this. Like, I won't, I won't give anything away, but you do start the podcast by saying Courtney Love killed Kirk Cobain. So there's a tease right there. I, I mean, <laughs> it's a little more nuanced than that, but I will just say if you're a listener of this podcast, go listen to Disgraceland when you're done with this. Uh, if you run into any, any point so far, in this, and this is the season three premiere, the first two seasons, where legally – You've you've jumped into something, you found something, but you said, ah, shit. You know what? This is just I I can't quite go there. Yes, yeah, that sucks, huh? Yeah, it does suck, especially when you know they have billions of dollars and they're coming at you and threatening you. <laughs> yes, I, ha I have run into it, and it's scary. And you know, I'm I'm one guy. I don't have the backing of a billion dollars in a bank account, but you know, there are ways to tell these stories that uh, keep you out of legal jeopardy. And, you know, a lot of this stuff is public record, and I'm not really getting into stuff that isn't, so. I, I, I know, I'm sure I asked you this last time. I probably did. What is the process of, okay, I'm going to pick uh, whatever, season three episode, whatever. Uh, Kurt and Courtney's a weird one because it's so big. But let's just say another, I don't know, John Lennon, whatever. What is the beginning process to the end? What is that? What is the research? Is it books? Is it internet? Is it music? Is it interviews? Uh, you write the script yourself. How long is the process? I mean, each one is its own little documentary, obviously. How long is yeah. the process? Um, it's about two weeks, 
full on without the research. I don't yet know how to quantify the amount of time it takes me to research because I'm always researching and it's everything you said. It's reading the books, it's watching documentaries. I'm always researching one story at any given moment, usually while I'm writing a different one. Um, so I research everything I find in those materials you mentioned, books, documentaries, <clears throat> internet articles, etc. I find about five anecdotes that we talked about earlier in this call, five events, uh, so to speak, that I really want to use mm-hmm. as tent poles to tell the story I'm trying to tell. And I usually, you know, find a theme to thread through all of that. So with Kurt Cobain, the theme was this idea of home. With John Lennon, uh, the theme was this idea of authenticity. Um, so I, I usually take a, a week to write it. Uh, seasons one and season two, I wrote almost entirely by myself. I've started at the end of season two and into season three, bringing in um, two other writers that I'm working with. Um, but I end up, I end up right, like kind of rewriting the drafts into my own voice at the end of the day, even if I've had writing assistance on stuff. So that's the writing process takes a week and then scoring it. I do the music. So doing the music for it, working with other musicians, uh, that takes about another week to get the music in and get that mixed. So it's about a two week process. It's interesting with you mentioned Michael Jackson. I did watch the I watched HBO documentaries. I actually, you know, I I, I mean, I had I, one side of documentaries I have issues with. I did a podcast about it. But what's weird is I so I've read a lot about how now people are, are trying to figure out whether to listen to Michael Jackson's music or not. It's like, you know, trying to not watch a Kevin Spacey movie or something. And I just find that I just find that impossible. I mean, if you like Michael Jackson, if you like his music, you're, you're going to you, you if if Human Nature comes on, or want to be starting something, or Billie Jean, you know, fucking listen to it. I mean, it's. It, I, I mean, you could listen to it and say this guy's a creep, but you're going to listen to it. Yeah, I've never had that problem ever. Um, I, I don't know that if something was so like so fresh, like if the wound was so fresh, or if it was more personal. Like I said before, Michael Jackson is he's bigger than Michael Jackson. He's part of like the American story. He's an icon. He's huge. But, you know, Woody Allen, too. I'm not going to not watch Woody Allen movies. They're just, they're too good. No, but, was, but the one thing I'd say about that, though, Jake, is it's, I actually disagree with that in a way. Like, so if I, if I flip around and Manhattan's on and Woody Allen is dating Mariel Hemingway, who's in high school, it's mm-hmm. so mirrors, it would almost be like Michael Jackson singing a song about molesting a kid. Like I always, I think Woody Allen's Pretty movies. Young thing, man. Yeah, that's that's, that's a good, that's a good point. But <laughs> Woody Allen's movies were almost confessionals, you know, husbands and wives, Manhattan, and it's almost uncomfortable to watch. Where Michael Jackson, you know, if you're flipping, I mean, you know, I'm I'm not, I would not say I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan. I grew up when Thriller came out, so that, you know, but it's it's it is different. The other thing is Michael Jackson's music itself. Fine, you want to say I'm never going to listen to a Michael Jackson song again? Okay. But good luck listening to something that's not influenced by Michael Jackson because that's essentially the last, I don't know, 35 years of popular music. You're absolutely right. Well, you could say the same thing about films. I Woody True. Allen, it's a huge, huge influence on modern filmmakers. I was watching Smilf last night, actually. That show I was going to say television, too, right. Boston. Right. Yeah, and it's like the whole intro is a ripoff of Manhattan, like an homage. Right. She's openly paying tribute to, to Woody Allen. And I thought the stuff you said about the Mario Hemingway thing in, in that film, now when I see it, I'm just like, I'm almost more compelled to watch it because I'm trying to think of what he was thinking and the hubris behind putting that into a film, you know, and being confessional. It's just like, now I'm watching for clues, you know? I'm like, how sick is this guy? <laughs> you know, what was he actually thinking at the time? 
Well, it's like the Jackson thing. You know, when I was a kid, you know, I didn't know. I, I thought Michael Jackson was the coolest guy in the world. But I was 10 years old, and I thought it was fucking weird that he was with Webster at the American Music Awards. I was like, something here, like, what is going on here? Something is something is not right. Right. You know, but but it's, it's if, so a Michael Jackson, to me almost like the tackling Jackson at this point, is like is like its own separate podcast. It's like a season. Like I, I mean, I don't know what's what's there. You know, I mean, he, he is, I think, the worst, maybe the most egregious example of a child star gone wrong in a weird way. Yeah, the psychology behind it is so messed up. It's so messed up. This guy who never had a childhood is attracted to kids. I know it's it's, it's too insane. simple almost. You know. Yeah, it's insane. I, I don't know how much time I want to spend put my head into that. Right. Actually create that content but at some point i guess i'm gonna have to so do you have people coming up to you people in your life your friends people listen to it tweet you are they pitching you ideas now all the time i know last time i had you on i pitched like eight ideas every time i see something or i read something i always think oh that'd be a good disgraceland podcast i know we talked about brian wilson i think there are other ones i mean you must have people coming up to you and saying hey do this guy do that girl do this band do whatever yes i do and what's changed since we last talked is now i have people who are kind of like at some of these events hitting me up and being like, Hey, I was, you know, like the John Lennon thing. Like I heard, I heard from a guy who was sitting with John Lennon at the table at the Troubadour that night. Right. It was like, it was like, he's the creator of that TV show. Welcome back. Connor. <laughs> and he was like, Hey, I was there, man. Like, you know, let's talk. I've got other ideas. Oh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Aaron Kaplan, maybe yeah. or something. Like Gabe that. Kaplan. No, no, no. Oh. Gabe Kaplan. Oh, damn it. Um, I can't think of a guy's name. But yeah, so you get stuff like that. Yeah. And so I get in, you know, like Hell's Angels who were at Altamont with the Rolling Stones. Like I've been hit up by some by some pretty intense people. We awesome. talked we talked about this offline and I, I it's part of the reason I guess why I like him so much, but you know, there's no there's no you can't do a Springsteen one. He's he's there's fucking nothing there. I know. I know. It's I guess it's a good thing though, right? I guess. I guess. But I mean, you know, What's weird? So I guess Petty might be might be the opposite, but this sort of well, Petty the, Petty was a good guy too. But I can do a Petty story because Petty's uh, Petty's house was burned down. Yeah, by a no by a did it right. right. So I think that and that was when he was all on heroin too. So right, I feel like there's a way into that story. That's true. I'll tell you a good. Pe- did you read that Warren uh, yes. the, the Petty biography? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I read, I, read a good, I didn't read all of it, but I read most of it. I never knew. So it's like, it's one of these, that's why I fucking love these books and these documentaries. I could watch music documentaries all day. Yours. So Petty shattered, he broke his right hand. He shattered it when he was pissed off mm-hmm. in the 80s. And I, and I didn't know the backstory. And Mike Campbell tells a story that, you know, he had the he had the music that wound up being uh, Boys of Summer. That's him for yeah. Henley. And, well, hmm? is it? No, no, it's not. I don't think it's Tom Petty. I think it's the drummer who wrote it. Uh, no, Campbell's playing on it. No, Campbell. I think, I think Stan wrote it. No, Stan Lynch wrote. Stan Lynch wrote the uh, the end of the Innocent stuff. Oh, b- okay. Believe me, don't don't fuck with me about Petty stuff in the eighties. <laughs> Tr- trust me. So so Petty tells the uh, Petty tells a story. Or, I mean, uh, Campbell tells a story that the first time Petty heard the Boys of Summer, uh, he fuck. That's what he did. He fucking broke his hand that day. He was so pissed off. He's like, how? Why did I not think of that? Which is. A little shit like that. I could I could read the shit like that all day. Listen, like Chicago. There's a documentary about Chicago, and I w- I've watched like 40 times on Netflix. I'm just obsessed really? with like oh, 
I'm obsessed with like cheesy, you know, the Eagles documentary, the fucking. Oh, I, that's great. That's yep. amazing. Have you seen the Dead One yet? Yes, the, I did. One Excellent. Excellent. Yes, and yeah. I'm not even a huge fan, but like, as long as there's a little yeah. bit of pettiness and backstabbing and anger and jealousy, I'm in. I'm in a thousand percent. Because you want to see these people for for what they are, human beings. Right. They are exactly, right. and they're all like us. They're competitive and they're. They're insecure and they're fucking jealous and weird and it just like you know we spend our childhoods worshiping these guys because they're godlike and and then you know we come to realize they're just humans and there's something humbling and totally compelling about that. You have not done Elvis, right? Am I wrong? Um, I have. You did. Which one was it that? Been, it hasn't been released. Oh, season three. Um, nope, it's another project that I can't really talk no, about. This yet. is like talking now, now. Now, a year ago, you're just some fucking schlub. Now I'm talking to you know this deal maker, who's <laughs> I'm doing. I'm still a schlub, man. Who's see me? I'm in Adidas track shoots and fuck work boots. I look like an Adam Adam Sandler body double. <laughs> Who is, by the way, taking this show on the road? Yeah, there's um, <clears throat> three live shows. I'm doing uh, the Sinclair in Boston. Okay. On May 10th doing uh, a gothic theater in Denver on May 25th. Jesus Christ. The Comedy Central's Clusterfest Festival in San Francisco, June 21st to 23rd. So, okay, so those are the three shows. I'm going to try and go to this Boston one. Uh, oh, man, yeah. What okay, is the, what is the, you're, you're too kind. What is the, uh, what is the, what, what, so what is, give me, what, live show means what? Live show is going to be the podcast live. So you're not going to be me just standing up there with a piece of paper reading it. It's going to be like a, oh, like a, music, yeah, music, visuals. Um, we reenact murders and murders and accidents and all that stuff. We, yeah, yeah. It won't be it won't be that theatrical. Okay, all right. Be, uh, you know, I've come to. I've been thinking about this for about a year now, and what I found is that people who go to live podcasts, what they want is the podcast. Live. Sure, that's what they like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Excellent. So that's that, and that, that that's so. I mean, that's that's kind of a big undertaking, you know. It is, but I'm gonna try it out. These three shows. Um, I have an offer for a tour in Australia that I'm contemplating. Oh, can you get can you get on a plane for that? Can you get on a plane for that long? Yeah. Oh. To go to the other side of the world. Can you sleep on planes or no? No. Neither can I. I fucking. That's the worst. I'd give. I would give a finger, two fingers, to be able to sleep on planes. I'm serious. Yeah, it's brutal. Oh, look at you. The flip side is you can read and you know. That's true. Time alone. That's true. <laughs> look at you. This is the last time I'll be able to have you on. You're becoming a big fucking star. I birthed you. I brought you out you, of the, the podcast did. canal, and now you're doing yeah. shows in Australia and Denver and San Francisco and meetings and groups and and you know. Yeah, man. Last time we talked, I was I, last time I talked, I was the number one radio personality in America. Now I'm doing a fucking podcast, <laughs> and you've flown by me. This is not good. This is, this is how it works, dude. Podcasts are bigger. than I know, I know, no, I know. I guess, I guess. So give me, you give, can you give me, give my people another season three subject? Give me a little taste. Um, Snoop Dogg. All right, Snoop Dogg. Okay, okay. I can Tina Turner. Ooh, yes, excellent. I like that. Amy Winehouse. Amy Winehouse. Um, Johnny Cash. I was just about to ask you. I swear, I was just about to ask you about Johnny Cash. Good. Johnny Cash is excellent. So I was doing the Johnny Cash episode, and I realized. So I got hit hit up on Twitter by Johnny Cash's manager's son. Okay. Okay. Um, and this guy's dad managed Johnny Cash throughout all the insane years, and ended up killing himself at the end. Jesus. This kid had. He's not a kid. Now, he's older than I am. He has um, he has 
all he has all this archival source material for Johnny Cash that he unloaded on me to use for the podcast. And when I was going through it, again, it's like one of these things. Like I know the Johnny Cash story. Like I've, I've read his right. book, movies, the books, movie, right? You know, all of it. And then going through everything, I'm like, this is one of the hardest episodes I've had to do because there's so much here. So I realized it's a whole season. So I'm going to do a Johnny Cash season early next year. Ten episodes. So the scope of the guy basically all the way from uh, from uh, you know Elvis and Jerry Lee Lewis at the start all the way to you know the whole Sam Phillips stuff all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. Most oh. likely, I don't know that I'll do it chronologically like right, that, right. but I'll definitely do the mad. I mean, the madness kind of he kind of you know straightens out by the time the eighties roll around. Seventies, um, I should say. His eighties are but, interesting though because he's so fucking like lost, you know, artistically. You know, he had yeah. such a terror before Ruben came in and rescued him. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great! That is great. When so when 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 are we getting that? Well, I'm going to do a full season on Phil Spector first. That'll be in October, and then the Johnny Cash season will be in January. Yeah, see, this is the right way to do it. I remember a buddy of mine, Matt Fuller. We're not that f- close anymore, but he once said to me, he said, "The Huey Lewis in the news. Uh, what's what's the what was the VH1 behind the music? Yeah, he said it was the worst one ever because everybody got along." And he's right. Like, nobody's interested in, you know, Huey Lewis in the news because they all fucking like each other. Who wants that? <laughs> you know, you need murder. You need madness. You need cocaine. That's what the fucking Disgraceland is. It's a podcast of murder and cocaine. That's what it should be murder called. Cocaine. Yes. That's all you need. The two ingredients for any good night, murder and cocaine. There you go. Podcast. There you go. All right, Jake. Season three comes out today, which is Thursday. We're taping Tuesday. I remember Thursday. Go download it. Go listen to it. Disgraceland. Those live shows. Uh, we'll tweet those out as well. And we will talk to you. Well, Hopefully we get a chance to talk to you, but you'll be running the fucking music industry in a year from now at this pace. All right, Jake, I'll talk to you. Thanks, buddy. All right, buddy. Thank you. I'll see see you, man. All right. Bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.